Hi, I'm Patrick Palm, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to these interviews is that Favro clients are some of the most innovative and agile businesses out there. And it's used for collaborative planning by marketing teams, by product teams, HR, management teams. And what this means is that we get to know some truly inspiring people. So what we do in this podcast is that I invite them here for conversation about something where they are true leaders. So we can all learn from it. Let's go. But maybe we can start by, you know, your origin story. I mean, you, you've done an amazing journey in, in, in this industry. And, and, and I think we all would love to just hear, uh, you know, your journey that, that brought you to this point of, of, of investing in, in cool game companies. Yeah, so um, thank you guys first for, for having me. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you've been talking about ideas a lot. So I, I brought two IDs. So this is my passport, and here is my driver's license. So uh, I have I have two IDs for you too. Um, but uh, yeah, so my my origin uh, story, I guess, starts uh, when I joined CCP uh, into the game industry. I was working for a video game, sorry, for a a a a startup in Iceland that was like an internet startup. It was a kind of like a Sputnik company that attracted a lot of talent in Iceland. And uh, all of the original uh, uh, staff, or most of the original staff at CCP met at this company, it's called OS. And I was pretty young in my career and, and I thought I was very lucky to have the opportunity to work, work there. Um, and uh, video games were, were simply not created in Iceland. And the video game industry was very, very far away. And I think it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, a little bit uh, weird, uh, in a sense, to be tackling a, a large, complex uh, MMO project, which CCP set out to do, uh, without having any experience in the field and nobody to talk to. We had, there was one guy we knew from us who had made it to the West Coast in America who was working in games, and we, we would sometimes call him late at night, but that was it. And... Uh, uh, but Eve came out in 2003, and uh, and I think because of this uh, unique perspective of, of not having done this before, it became this unique product, and uh, it's still around today, 17 years later. I was lucky enough to you know grow uh, with the company. I started out as an engineer. I wasn't a very good engineer, and so uh, as as the company grew, I scaled out of that and turned to management project and program management first uh, and then let uh, CCP's transition to cross-functional teams and, and more agile as, as that was becoming a thing in the game industry. Uh, and then the company grew even further internationally. We had offices uh, in uh, the UK, in China and in the US. And, uh, and I took kind of like a broad perspective around our production practices uh, across, found myself traveling a bit between those offices and uh, and CCP like it grew uh, not only in offices but also just in statue and and uh, uh, and the game uh, at that point uh, I had earned many accolades and uh, we started to talk a bit about how we were doing uh, things at CCP and uh, and I did a handful of, of presentations uh, on that uh, 
at numerous GTCs and others. And that's how I initially met people from Riot Games. So in 2009, League of Legends came out and, uh, and I think just initially thereafter, uh, I met folks from, from Riot at conferences and, and we started to talk about production practices and, uh, and share knowledge. And I, I, I did a, uh, a visit to their, to their offices pretty early on. Um, and that was in their old, old offices, which are not nearly as fancy as their, their new, new offices. Uh, and, uh, and we, and we had kind of like a back and forth dialogue, uh, at the time there weren't many companies that were geared up to be be delivering online uh, gaming experiences directly to their to their customers and riot was hyper focused around its players and so we were able to share a lot of insights in that, in that sense and then in 2012 uh, i i ended up joining uh, riot games um, and uh, started working on league of legends as the development director uh, and um, and uh, and leak of course continued to to grow um, and grow quite a bit. So that team, uh, when I interviewed, the company was four hundred or two hundred people, and when I joined, like a few months later, it was four hundred people. And uh, and I think within the first two two years, it had you know uh, doubled again. And so uh, and uh, so that was uh, that was an exciting time, but also obviously a lot of uh, challenges, and uh, especially on the production side, as as the as um, as the game was was growing and and uh, we had some kind of like early stability issues and and, and growing pains overall, uh, and then I I I helped with the um, uh, organizational scaling at at Riot uh, and uh, ultimately ended up managing development managers and development directors across uh, all of the game uh, properties. Uh, many of them have seen the light of day by now and. Uh, and if you haven't checked them out, you should check them out. They're all very, very fun to play. And uh, and then last year, I, uh, I I left Riot to pursue a passion of mine, which is startups and investing. So alongside my Riot journey, I had started to do uh, a few angel investments, and that grew um, uh, also over time. And uh, I had become a a a. I wouldn't say significant, but somewhat uh, established portfolio. And I just wanted to do more of that. And uh, and that's what I've been doing for the last year. I, I know you have some favorites um, among those games that's been coming out that you, you know, are, you can announce, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, so my the, I, I, I've been playing a lot of Valorant personally recently. And so I think that's a fantastic game. Did did it? Um, I mean, maybe this is a sensitive question, but did it did it uh, come out the way that you thought it would come out, or did, did was it you know your your what you saw when, when you were on that project was it something kind of different from what came out? Uh, for that specifically, uh, not really. I think uh, they uh, there is a. I mean, yes, of course, it's not exactly the same, but the the base thesis. Uh, stood quite a bit there and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And so, uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, going a little bit deeper into your investment, um, what is it that you're looking for, uh, for, you know, anyone who, 
who contacts you um, and and looks for your money? Right. You know, what 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 is it that 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 you will be looking into then? Or alternatively, if you are proactively looking for uh, for companies, what is it that you're looking for? Yeah. So uh, so investment for me is is both uh, um, uh, angel investing and strategic advising at a at a personal level, but I also work with uh, a VC fund that. Um, uh, that focuses on the video game industry as well. And so uh, for me personally, uh, I like to uh, invest in companies where I can add a lot of value because like I said, I, I got really got hooked on the investing advising combo uh, in this. And so uh, that looks like, uh, like multiplayer online uh, experience, uh, experiences mostly you'll see in the things that, that I get involved with. But that's not like singular in that, in that sense. Um, I've also done a, a fair amount in mobile and, and mobile platforms. And then on the fun side, we really look at the industry in three buckets, uh, which is game or con content games. And, um, and then platforms, middleware, or things that cross across, cut across uh, the spectrum. And then thirdly, uh, ecosystem like esports or influencer uh, type companies. And, um, you know, more from a kind of, you know, team point of view, um, when you evaluate the, you know, the group which is approaching you, um, what is it that you're looking for for there? Yeah, I think you know. I look for uh, for experience and domain, both knowledge and passion. So uh, I think it's okay that uh, founders haven't done the exact game before, as long as they have a deep understanding for that genre uh, and a deep passion uh, for that. Um, but in some cases, uh, I come across. For us, uh, you know, people who've been making mobile games for the last decade, and then they want they want to go do a a hardcore PC survival MMO or something like that. Um, sometimes that that looks plausible, sometimes not. Uh, I think I also look at team comp quite a bit in terms of uh, if you have two or three founders, how are they complementing each other? Um, if it's uh, too crazy. Uh, bright creatives, um, but with no engineering or, or production business uh, attributes um, that would be less likely than a well-rounded combination of, 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 of three founders that really complement each other. So, you know, you mentioned that you're also doing work with, um, with, a, with a venture fund. Um, and I know that fund is on your, your LinkedIn, so I guess it's not a secret. Right. Uh, can you tell more about that? Yeah, so uh, the, uh, the fund is called Makers Fund, and it is a, a fund that was established in 2017 by two partners that really wanted to um, help out in the gaming industry with a specific gap that they saw when it comes to funding, in particular at later stages. And so, uh, you know, since then the landscape has evolved quite a bit, um, and there are now more funds than ever that are focusing on games, and more non-gaming funds also that are focusing on 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 games. But that uh, still holds is that there's a lot of 
early stage or seed invested, invested focus funds. Um, um, I know that you're involved with, uh, with one uh, uh, that is of that, that nature as well. And so, uh, so they, the, the focus is, is to really be at that kind of like series A stage uh, mostly. Of course, we do some seed. Um, we, we also do some later stage uh, if it's appropriate. Yeah, so you know, you're right. I, I, I'm a limited partner in um, in Play Ventures. So I'm obviously very enthusiastic about what we do, and and there's been an amazing array of of investments you know happening there. The the, the team at the fund are doing a fantastic job. Um, but what I also noticed, because you, you you kind of get a nice overview perspective of what's going on in the industry, is that yeah, Mega's Fund have got like a fantastic reputation in in short time. Uh, it was it was I, I knew it already earlier, but I definitely uh, heard that you know when I was at Slush last year. Um, uh, this is obviously before Corona, so everyone can hang out. You know, we can drink beer. You know, you ask people, so what do you think about these guys? And everyone's like raving about them. So, what do you think that they got right? Because you know, we, we're all three of us has been in the in the industry for a very long time, and I think it's safe to say that there's been a pretty uh, it's been, been quite common to have a skepticism around venture capital companies uh, in in the in the game industry and i think that has changed i think it's more uh, positive now and and the hearing people you know raving about a fund like you know makers fund is definitely if not a new phenomenon it hasn't always been like that so so what do you, what do you think that they got so right in in, a, in such a short time yeah i think the I think generally the funding landscape in the the like two years ago or three years ago uh, when it comes to video games there there was maybe one or two uh, funds that really understood game and game making and so um, and and a lot of um, yeah and so I think when they when they came on so there were two partners and a team and now in their second fund there are three partners and they are. They are very in tune with the with the video game industry. Very well plugged plugged in. Uh, have a deep understanding on not how game development works, but also uh, on the business side, on the platforms with um, uh, with the markets uh, across the world. I think Game uh, Maker's unique point also is that they are a truly global fund, and so many uh, of the uh, gaming focused funds are are more regional um, and. Uh, and so they, they they truly have a a global presence and, and and a global perspective. And I think for founders, they've proven that they really engage with with founders. They really go deep with them. They go and roll up their sleeves and and help them uh, not only through their their networks, uh, which are which are quite quite vast, but uh, but also just on a on a on a on a personal level. So um, a pretty common, you know, saying, you know, from investors, but also from, from many entrepreneurs is that, you know, you know, building a successful company is, you know, you know, 5% uh, inspiration, 95% transpiration or, you know, 5% ID and 95% uh, execution. Yeah. There's, there's many variants of this. Um, and, and, you know, uh, you know, s startups tend to not be the most heavy on on processes and tools, um, but but there's 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 definitely that you know you know you also need to to execute. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm obviously very interested here in the perspective of, you know, how, how can, how can favor help, uh, you know, for, for these startups? I mean, I noticed that even though, you know, many of the favor, you know, clients in the game industry are, are relatively large studios in, you know, with hundreds of users or even thousands of users. Uh, but, but there's also a lot of startups, um, you know, entirely, you know, new companies and, you know, many that are, you know, might not have heard about before and, and you know, I, I kind of researched them and I'm very eager to find out, you know, what kind of cool stuff they're working on. So, so I, I, I just see from the data that obviously um, small companies that are, are startups care. Um, but, but more from your point of view, since you're also a strategic advisor, um, what, what's, your, what's your angle on how, how Favre can possibly help um, uh, startups in the game industry? Yeah, so I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, early on, it's it's certainly not about the the tooling and more about just understanding uh, what your core audience is and how you can cater to that and finding the fun engagement in in whatever uh, core game or core loop you are you're 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 trying to get at. Um, but video game companies they move fast, and so it's like and especially on the on the mobile space, and especially now when we have um, all of you know the engines at their kind of elevated state now, and and libraries and content available, and so you you know it's it's it it can be really fast. And so before you know it, you've grown your two person team to a ten person team or or fifteen twenty, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, and and, and startups uh, very quickly on need to start to get organized, and 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 one. One thing that I've I've noticed um, in kind of like the last year is uh, there's a kind of like a uh, there's a one particular deck uh, uh, that I've been sending out to you know a lot of startup funders, which is uh, which is a a kind of like it was presented a year ago at a startup conference. It's around uh, switching to outcome uh, driven roadmaps or focusing on, on outcomes over, over outputs. And, uh, uh, which is certainly something that, uh, that we spent a few years at Riot, like hammering into not only like the culture, but also the way that we work. Um, but, um, uh, but this was very well captured in this, in the stack and I and sent this out a lot. And so, uh, and I think when you then try to apply uh, that to the way that you you work, not only from a mindset perspective, but from a from a execution perspective, you can often get you know clanged up against your your tools. And so I think Favaro does a really good job of um, of having kind of like the flexibility to um, to to structure your your work and your organization. Um, in a in a way that that lends it well to be able to match like nonlinear, complex backlogs potentially against like also nonlinear but cascading outcomes. Um, yeah, and so uh, and I yeah and I, I, that's that's definitely a, a startup trend that I that I see often. Not everybody tries to solve it with with Favaro, but I've certainly seen it seen it solved elegantly with Favaro. Well, that's great to hear. And and for for people that are not entirely familiar, what you know, what does kind of an outcome-driven approach you know mean in in right. comparison to something else? Do you have do you have some good uh, examples from the game industry? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you see that a lot. Uh, I mean, you can take any anything that you do uh, in terms of delivering a game or feature or a piece of content and just time 
translated it from like the thing that you're doing to that the thing that it it produces. And the way that we like to talk about it is like what is the behavioral change that happens in the world? Like what do players do differently? And then uh, the trick is to be able to capture and assert that somehow uh, through some sort of uh, of metric. Um, uh, and I think, I mean, you guys are, are a startup, and I'm sure you guys also uh, try to take uh, an outcome-centric uh, approach to to what you guys are doing. Do you have an example from from Favreau that that yeah, you know the no, audience I, maybe has familiar with? I, I, th I think you know outcome-driven uh, development or really outcome-driven goals um, is is very applicable for you know any kind of team. Um, to have some concrete examples, I think, you know, for, for example, in our case, um, we see that uh, teams that are using Favro, uh, they, are, they are have a quite high engagement level. So right. you have, you know, managers that, you know, they, you know they, they plan thing, you know, they set up collections to give an overview, uh, you know, teams can look at that. But then if you look at the individuals, uh, often they have a relatively large amount of autonomy for, you know, you know creating new, you know, kind of goals, objectives, tasks, and, you know, moving them along. Uh, but they also do a lot of the writing, you know, writing that they might have been doing in, you know, Google Doc or in some kind of content management tool before, you know, they, they now do in, in favor. So it means that, you know, their their engagement is quite high. Right. So, so engagement is key for us. So we try to set engagement goals for every feature that we develop and then we measure. So we developed this feature, you know, we launched it, uh, what does the data say in terms of engagement? What does the what was the feedback from the community? Um, and what does kind of more let's say deep interviews with with, with power users uh, you know right. say? So we, we try to you know use that kind of like triangle to evaluate you know did we do a good job or not? Should we double down on this or was this a mistake? Yeah. Um, but I also this, think uh, yeah sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say there's uh, there's one uh, company that I I'm involved with here in Iceland. Uh, they recently released a, a video game. It came out uh, and uh, was the number one game in all of the App Store a few weeks ago. Very impressed with that team. And one of the things that, that they do is that they feel really liberated by this, uh, uh, by being able just to lead teams to a specific point, like metric. Like, this is your metric, and you are a seven-person team. And that's that's That's... You know, those are your marching orders. And yeah. it gives the, the leaders, uh, this is like a 25-person studio, and it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's led by, by three founders. And it gives them a lot of, uh, yeah, you know, gives the team agency, but also gives them a lot of, lot of freedom. I think you're touching upon something very important because, uh, you know, we're all about uh, team autonomy and company alignment. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people often forget is that a high level of, of uh, alignment enables autonomy. Yep. You know, if, 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 if you have the trust, so if you as senior leadership uh, have a trust in kind of your, your processes, your tools, your culture, that alignment is good, uh, you can give a lot of autonomy to the teams. So, so uh, alignment enables trust. And one of the best ways, well, the easiest ways to do that is by having very clear kind of metrics. And, and this ties into, I mean, there's a lot of talk, if we take this a little bit more general, around OKRs, you know, you know objective, you know, key right. results, you know. And, and, but, but that kind of thinking is basically the same as we're talking about here. You know, it's, 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 not, it, you know, it's, it's a very, it's like different ways of talking about it, but it's, it's right. in many ways the same way, same thing, you know.
Yeah, but yeah, uh, I mean, just just this morning, I was talking to another startup uh, in Europe, and they are they're struggling a little bit with this like mindset shift because they're a little bit ingrained in their 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 tooling. Like, because there's there there isn't like a, a, an option for 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 it, and like and uh, and you kind of like you get bogged down or shoehorned into well, we'll just make the epic, the outcome, and then all of the user stories are the things and, and, or, or, and then you get very kind of like bogged down in just like one level of thing or two levels of things and, uh, and, 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 and not a really good way to tie things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I think we can talk about this specific topic yeah, for a very long yeah, time. Absolutely. I want to go back to um, kind of a little bit your experience with, with very big studios again. Yeah. Um, because if you... Uh, you know, if we look at the, the market data today, you know, we see that, you know, today, um, uh, you know, the, the game industry is bigger than than uh, the movie and the music industries combined. So, yeah. so you know, we're the new kind of big guys, uh, which is which is cool because it hasn't always been like that. Um, but it's been like that for a while now. So yeah. Well, maybe you might have the confidence for that, but you know, trust right. me. You know, when I speak to my friends in the film industry, they don't agree. Okay. I, I, I like have to show them the numbers. Like, come on, you know, it's like right. data, data wins. Um, but but um, but it, but it's not equally divi- um, distributed because if we look now, what happened here with Corona, um, what we have seen very clearly, you know, is is it there's, there's big differences. You know, you have you know some companies. Um, that were well prepared for Corona. Uh, they they could very quickly switch to to you know work from home, um, and um, um, they are you know continue to release um, even entirely new uh, products, and they make a ton of money, and they're doing really well. And then we have some students that are really struggling, and and some very openly admitting to to that you know they're they're, they're having a tough time you know to 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 do this. And and if we're going very kind of you know last you know, weeks or even days, you know, we're seeing now that there's a lot of, you know, uh, increase of lockdowns in, in, in the U.S. again. Um, uh, yeah. So, and it's probably going to happen, we're probably going to have a couple of these before this is over. You know, it's not going to really be over until we have a vaccine and, and everyone's been vaccinated. So, I mean, we, we're going to have to live with this for quite a while. And I don't think any, any company is really going to go back to the old normal anyways. So, so basically, uh, the winners... In this, in this, I mean, so so the game industry is is a winner because people are at home, they play more games, so so you have the opportunity for great business success. Uh, but to capture that opportunity, you know, you need you need to have the way of working that 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 functions in this climate, and 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 you're going to need to have that for a while before you can go back to like normal office work if that's what you want to do. And and I, and you know, I know that for example, you know, Riot has been doing uh, pretty pretty well here. Um, so, so my question to you is really, um, what? And I'm not really only talking about you know tools here. I'm I'm really thinking a bit more wide. Um, you know, what 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 in your opinion really makes that difference? You know, the the, the studio which is very well um, prepared and and set up, you know, for for succeeding in this kind of climate in in in, in being a distributed uh, studio uh, versus the one who you know who's not. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I think I think Riot has been able to adapt quickly because they're able to adapt quickly. I don't think, uh, but I, of course, I can't really 
speak uh, to these events because I wasn't wasn't there directly. Um, but I would imagine that uh, that uh, uh, Riot actually is is um, all of the, the game teams there are very co-located in 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 California uh, for the most part, and so. So I don't. I wouldn't say that it hasn't been, or I would imagine that it hasn't been without ease to to move to um, to remote and, and work from home. And uh, uh, but it's you know, and it's phenomenal phenomenal to see the things that they've been able to output. I mean, we were talking about Valorant earlier. Um, that that did not miss miss a beat, and uh, like you know, came out. I think. Uh, uh, Right around when when everybody expected it to come out, and and I think before even the players expected it to come out, and and to see that in the middle of of Corona and everybody working from from home from for the last like weeks and months on that was was I was super impressed. Um, so uh, so I do think that uh, that Riot uh, has a culture of of just like you know of of being adaptive and being able to 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 do things like that even though it's not uh yeah there are some things that have been have been set up in 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 recent years like moving more things to the cloud having more sso and 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 things like that that makes that easier now than it would have been two years before or three years before um but i also think it's a lot about the the people there and and kind of like the the aptitude that Riot has hired for for a decade, where you get uh, individuals that are entrepreneurial and 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 able to to you know adapt well to to rapidly changing uh, circumstances. Uh, cool. You know, finally, I, I of course have to ask you more kind of direct, you know, you know, Favre question. Um, I mean, one of the things that we we see. Uh, with, with our clients is is that they they don't they don't come from 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 nothing you know they always have right. other tools before you know and and then they migrate to Favro and so they typically replace you know many tools you know with <laughs> with, with, with Favro. Yes. Um, and and, and I, I remember you know we 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 spoke about that at at some point you know when you were at Riot and and I I, I remember it was a, you know a, a seemed like a pretty amazing an, a, amount of of tools that you, you had replaced but but you know. You 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 have um, you have the right story. Um, I mean, how um, what was your perspective on you know Favro replacing you know other tools? Yeah, I mean Favro certainly did replace uh, many tools. I think just to kind of the to give the audience a bit of the the story there was that um, uh, Riot uh, had grown very fast, and it's a collection of of, of multiple departments and business units, both centrally in Los Angeles, but also across the world. So we had had teams that had adopted probably every single project management tool that you can think of, and also some that you can't think of. Um, and, uh, and there was actually a, a just like a dire need from our central IT organization and compliance and legal to, to make sure that we, like, you know, that we had tools that were secure, compliant, that we were paying for them or that if we weren't paying for them, that the, whatever content we put in there was like uh, encrypted or secured and, and whatnot. And so that was a, that was a big kind of like um, lead up into the, the decision to go and consolidate a lot of, uh, a lot of this uh, tool, tool 
um, fragmentation that we had at the time. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, yeah. So it's, it, 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 it replaced not only project management tools, tracking tools, collaboration tools, uh, like whiteboard collaboration tools and, and, and stuff like that that were being, being used for, for, for things like this. Many uh, of them uh, uh, were removed um, uh, quite easily. Like, you know, it's very easy to just say, like, you know, please migrate uh, over in, in X many months and we will discontinue the use of XYZ product. And in some cases, it was more of a, of like, you know, I'm very ingrained in my process in this, like, you know, uh, arcane tool that me and my team only use. And, and that was a bit, of, bit, bit more of a battle. And so, yeah, but I, I, it was a large, large number, but it didn't replace everything. And, uh, and a lot of the kind of like core um, development had been done on Jira. And for, for many teams, they still use Jira. Uh, a lot of the newer teams um, or R&D teams uh, skipped that completely and started working directly in, in Favro. That is the case today. And then Favro was used um, across uh, departments. It was used for the kind of like larger portfolio management on, on all of our biggest properties, including League of Legends and our core platform and, and, and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, uh, it was... Uh, it was a lot of tools. <laughs> I can imagine, and, and you know, the, the thing you mentioned about Jira is not entirely uncommon. We we had yeah. to put some extra effort into making sure that our Jira integration, you know, both with Jira Server and with Jira Cloud, uh, uh, you know, is, is, is pretty good because um, you know many students been around for a while. You know, they still have that legacy, and you know, they have you know, they're not going to migrate overnight, and they have to handle that. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. If you want to elevate yourself as a modern leader and help your teams become even more successful, then check out Favor Academy at favro.com. They will find podcasts, webinars, articles, all free of charge. Check it out.